We are on Daf Lamed Amal Aleph, but we are starting from Daf Chavtesam at base, three lines from the bottom, the Mishnah. We learn, if a person extinguishes a lamp on Shabbos, because he's afraid of non-Jews who, for example, forbid anybody to light a lamp when it's their holiday, or if a person's afraid of bandits who will come after him if they see the light, if a person extinguishes it because of a bad spirit that comes upon him when the lamp is lit, or extinguishes it for the sake of a sick person, so that the sick person be able to sleep, Potter. And at this point, it looks like we're saying Potter, the person is exempt from Torah punishment, but forbidden to have done what they did by the rabbis. That's what it looks like. If a person uh, wants to save the lamp that's being damaged by the fire, the person wants to save the oil, that it shouldn't be used up. The person wants to save the wick, that it shouldn't be used up. And that's why he distinguishes the lamp. Then the person is obligated to bring a sacrifice for transgressing the Shabbos. Rabbi Yossi says all of these examples are exempt. He's not, he's, he's never, he's not obligated uh, to bring a sacrifice. Except when he extinguishes the wick, because in that case, he's extinguishing the wick in a way that accomplishes the purpose, the, uh, 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 a true purpose for extinguishing, which is to make uh, charcoal, to singe it uh, on the wick. The Gemara says, When we learned in the second half, in other words, when we said that the person extinguishes the lamp because they want to save the lamp, etc., Chayev, seems to say the person is obligated we see that, that the Mishnah is following the opinion and a famous argument of Rabbi Yehuda. Now, what do we mean to say? There's an argument about something called malacha a malacha that's not needed for itself, but rather just to get rid of something. So simply, in our case, mechaba, extinguishing a fire, the, what's called a malacha that's needed for itself is being that you're extinguishing the fire to make charcoal. You light wood, you extinguish it specifically to make coal. You want to make a wick usable, so you light it and you extinguish it so and now it'll be singed, and it will be a, it'll be a, a, a wick that's very usable, easy to light. That's called a malacha shetrich leguf, that need for itself. But over here, where I just want to get rid of, I just want to get rid of a situation I don't want, I don't want the fire at all. I want to get rid of the fire, I just want to get rid of the fire, I don't want it to hurt the lamp, I don't, I don't want it to use up the oil, etc. That's not called a malacha for its purpose. And here, Rabbi Shimon holds that such a malacha is putter, is exempt from Torah punishment. It's forbidden by the rabbis, but it's exempt from Torah punishment. But Rabbi Yehuda holds that it is obligated, any malacha that you do purposely, even though you want to do the malacha, even though you're only doing it to get rid of a situation and not in order to accomplish the uh, express purpose of the malacha, is still obligated from the Torah. So we see from the fact that in the second part of the Mishnah, where he extinguished a lamp in order to protect, in order to save the lamp, to save the oil, to save the wick, that the person was obligated, we see that the Mishnah is following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, that a malacha that's even not for its express purpose, for, for, for an express purpose, but rather to undo something, is still obligated from the Torah. So now we have a question. If that's true, Reish of Maya Sikna, in the first part, when it said that the person extinguished a lamp uh, because of... Uh, uh, because of uh, because of uh, a non-Jewish law or bandits, etc. Also, there it would seem that it's a malacha shenetzuich legufa. It's a malacha that's not for uh, that's not for an express purpose. Just trying to get rid of the light, but not in order to accomplish something. So, what's the first part talking about? 
If the first part was talking about a, a sick person, for example, where there's a danger of life, and that's the, the first list is about places where your life is in danger, it shouldn't have said that the person of that list was potter, was exempt, but forbidden by the rabbis. It should have said mutter. It should have said that he's completely permitted from the outset. A person allowed to do it. And there's no problem whatsoever, not from the Torah, not from the rabbis. If you're talking about a sick person who's not in danger of losing their life, so it's not a, it's not a life and death situation. So since the later part was speaking according to Yehuda, so all the first parts, all the all the first examples of putting out the light because of the non-Jews, because etc. etc. That should also be. That should also be uh, obligated from the Torah because we're holding Rabbi Yehuda. So even though the malacha is not for this positive purpose, but to get rid of the light, the person should be obligated to bring a sacrifice. So when it says, no, don't worry, you said correctly. The Mishnah is according to Yehuda, the malacha that's not for an express positive purpose is still liable from the Torah. And the first part was talking about a sick person who is in danger of their life. And you're right. Really, you're right. By, 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 really, uh, Officially, the Mishnah should have said, Mutter, the person is permitted from the outset. But since in the end, the Mishnah wanted to teach us that the person is obligated to bring a sacrifice, Tanei Nami Resha Pater. So the, for the beginning also used the language of Pater, exempt from a sacrifice, even though what it really meant is the person is completely Mutter. We often, we often write a Mishnah somewhat inexactly in order to maintain a balanced Mishnah that's easier to remember. And, and we have a similar problem, or not a similar problem, in a, case, in a, in a brisa that has a similar example, we explain as follows. When Rabbi Yosha told us a brisa, there it said, if, you, if a person extinguishes a lamp for a sick person so they can sleep, the person shouldn't do it, they shouldn't extinguish it. And if the person did extinguish it, they're exempt, okay, but forbidden, they're exempt from being a, a sacrifice, but they were forbidden to do it. By the rabbis, that was clearly speaking about a person who a sick person who's not in danger. Rabbi Shimon, he and it's according to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, who held that a, that when a person does a malacha not for an express positive purpose but merely to get rid of the light, for example, they are exempt from Torah law but forbidden by the rabbis. So we said we're going to talk about putting out a lamp for the sake of a sick person who's in danger of their life. So we have a long uh, story and a very interesting Agorita. They asked him, what is the law when it comes to putting out a candle, uh, a, 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 a lit candle, uh, for the sake of a person who is sick and in danger of their life on Shabbos? So the answer is going to come after a long drasha, and that's for the purpose of drawing the people in. If you give a long drasha and all kinds of interesting teachings, it's a way of drawing people into the teaching. Pasach, he began with words of Agarata. And he said, An Shlomo, he says, he says, You Shlomo, speak much Shlomo Melech. On Chachmasach, where is your wisdom? On Suchla Sanusach, where is your deep understanding? Is it not enough for you that your words contradict the words of David your father? Your father, El says, not only that, but your words contradict your own words. David your father David said, He said, The dead will do not praise God. 
He's saying it's not good. So David Melch was saying it's not good to be dead. And you said, Shlomo Melch, I praise the dead, Shekvar Mesa, already dead. So, so you, what do you, he says being dead is not good, and you say being dead is good. And, and on top of that, and you contradicted yourself. After you said that it's good to be dead, then you then said, and you said, it's better to be a living dog. It's better for a living dog than a dead lion. So make up your mind. So let's see, let's resolve the various contradictions. So he answers. Lo kasha, it's not difficult. We can remove these contradictions. When David said, the dead people can't praise God. This is what he meant to say. That when it comes to praising God, dead people can't, and, and, and it's better to be alive. A person should always involve themselves in Torah and mitzvahs before they die. She came to Mesh because once a person dies, but them in a Torah, in a mitzvah, the person is nullified from, from Torah and from mitzvahs. And if ain't like you can't learn and you can't do mitzvahs, and Hashem has no praise. So when it comes to praising God, it's certainly better to be alive than to be dead. That's what David Amal said. Behind the Rabbi Yochanan, and, and this, like what David Bell said, that's what Rabbi Yochanan says. My dichtiva mesim chashi. What does it mean that there's freedom by dead people? When a person is once a person is dead, they are free from teremitzus. They can't do it anymore. With the Kamer Shlomo, and so now, and what was Shlomo saying? He wasn't talking about praising God. When Shlomo Melech said he said, "I praise the dead." Shikar Mesa already dead. So he, he says, what, and dead people are better than the people who are alive. He means to say, why was he saying dead are better than alive? When it comes to being effective, we see clearly that, and, and bringing about the good things. Sometimes dead people, dead people are more effective than the alive people. When people, when the Jewish people sinned in the desert, they sinned with the golden calf. Moshe stood up before Hashem, and he said, Moshe said several various prayers and supplications before Hashem, and he wasn't answered. And when he said, Afterwards, when he said, Remember Avram, Yitzhak, and Yisrael, your servants, when he remembered, when he mentioned the dead people, he was answered immediately. So didn't he say very well, I praise the dead people who are already dead, more greater than the, than the live people. You see, dead people were more effective when it came to bringing about and having merit. The dead people were more effective than Moshe Rabbeinu, who was righteous and still alive. So that will solve that. That will solve that. Will that's the answer to the contradiction between what David Amalek said when he spoke about when he spoke about a lot of people being better than dead. He meant for the chance of praising God, and, and when Shlomo was talking about dead people being better than alive people, he meant in terms of their merit or their ability to bring about good for the Jewish people more than those who are alive, like even like Moshe. Another explanation of, of why dead people are, are stronger. The way of the world is if a, human, if a human governor decrees a decree, we don't, it's in doubt whether people will fulfill it. We're in doubt whether people won't fulfill it. Even if people do fulfill the decree of a, of a living man, they'll do it while he's alive. But when he's dead, they don't. Be the Moshe Rabbeinu, but when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, God's Arkamak Zeros, Moshe decreed several decrees, and he enacted any number of enactments, and they, are, they, are, they exist forever and ever. We still do them to this day. So didn't Shlomo say very well, I praise the dead. We see, we see Moshe Rabbeinu, who is long gone, has power in this world that, that a lot of people don't have. 
Another explanation, etc., that I praise the dead. What was he saying? David made a prayer to Hashem and he said, he said, make a sign for me for good and let my, let my enemies see and my enemies will see and they will be ashamed. David said to God, Forgive me for that sin with Bathsheba, even though he didn't really, he didn't do a severe, the severe sin that you would think, but he still, we still did something wrong. Amarlo, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to him, Macholoch, it's forgiven. Amarlo, he said to him, he said, give me a sign in my lifetime that I'm forgiven. Amarlo, God said to him, in your lifetime, I'm not going to make it known that I forgave you. But in the lifetime, in the lifetime of Shlomo, your son, I will make it known that I forgave you. He wanted to bring the the Aaron, the Ark, into the into the Holy of Holies. The gates the, uh, stuck together; they stuck one to another, and they wouldn't open up for him. Shlomo said twenty four different kinds of prayer called Rina, Tfila, Trina. Below Nana, he wasn't answered. Pasuk Vamro, he opened up and he said, He said, he said, Gates, lift up your heads. And be lifted up everlasting open entrances. And the king of glory will come in. The gates ran after him. They wanted to swallow him up. They thought he was talking about himself. That he called himself the king of glory. And they said, Amru, the, the gates said, Who's the king of glory? Um, uh, 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 he said, "Who's the King of Glory?" Amarlu. He said to them, "Hashem Gibor. He said, this, "This this great King. Hashem is the great, the powerful, the powerful one." Chazar So then, 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 then Shlomo went back and he said, he corrected himself. Lift up your gates, your heads. Lift up everlasting entrances. And the King of Glory will come. Who is the King of Glory? Hashem Hashem of hope. The Lord of hosts, he is the King of Glory, Selo. But he wasn't answered. When he said, Lord God, don't turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember the saintly deeds of David, uh, your, your servant. He was immediately answered for the sake of his father. So now everybody saw that, Shlomo, that David Amelech, one, Shlomo was answered, but everybody saw that David was forgiven. And therefore, all the, at that moment, the faces of all the, the enemies of David, those who hated him, they turned, they turned black, like the bottom of a pot. And all the people in all Israel knew that HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgave all of them for that sin. Didn't Shlomo say very well that I, that I, I, I praise the dead who already, who already died? You see how great, how great David was in his death? I know deceive, and that's what it says also, it's also what it says. They had made they had made a celebration seven days before a sukkah, and then all the whole sukkah. And as part of it, and the, we're going to see from the following pasuk that as part of it, they they didn't fast on Yom Kippur. And we're going to see that that as part of the following pasuk, they were forgiven. But also from the following pasuk, we see that what we just said that they also saw that David Hamelach had been forgiven. On the eighth day, he sent the people and they they blessed the king. And they went to their tents, happy and good of heart. I'll call it over for all the good. Hashem, the David Abdo, that Hashem did for. 
David is servant of Yisrael, Amo for Israel is people. And the Gemara explains the Pasuk, they went to their tents, they found their, their wives are clean in their tents. They were happy, they had taken pleasure in the, in the splendor of the divine presence. But they have good of heart, that their wives became pregnant, the wives of every single one of them became pregnant and gave birth to a boy. For all the good that Hashem did to David, his servant. What is that? That is that uh, Hashem forgave David Amalek for that sin. Israel, what is the point for, for an Israel's people? That Hashem forgave them for the sin of Yom Kippurim, that they ate on Yom Kippur. They thought they were supposed to for this celebration. So, but we see clearly that what? The David Amalek was forgiven for the sin. Now, what about the contradiction of Shlomo to himself? On the one hand, he said, he said he praises the dead more than the alive. And then he said, he said, that for the living dog, it's better than the dead lion. What is that? It's this the following story. What's written? What, what do we mean to say? Tell me my end. Tell me what's going to happen in the future. And the measure of my days, what is it? Knows how long am I going to live? And when am I going to end? Or what day? The, or we're going to see. We're going to see what, what day of the week will I die? David said to Hashem, Let me know what's going to happen to me later. Hashem said to him, It's a decree before me. We don't. I don't let people know what's going to happen to them later. He says, Okay, but let me know how long I'm going to live. In this world, so Hashem said to him also, It's a decree before me. We don't let people. I don't let people know how long they're going to live. Let me know when I'm going to end. At least let me know what day of the week I'm going to die. Amarlo, Hashem said to Shabbos Tamos, you're going to die in Shabbos. So David Melch didn't want to die in Shabbos. He wanted to be able to be buried on the day he died. He says, let me die on Sunday when people will be able to bury me. Amarlo, Hashem said to him. He said, no, by that Sunday, it will already be the time for the kingdom of your son, Shlomo. And one kingdom is not, it does not impinge on another, even a hair's breadth. You have to, you have to die in Shabbos because that's when your kingdom has to end and not one second later. I said, okay. So, so David Amal said, almost bear of Shabbos. Let me die on Friday. Then I'll be able to be right on Friday. Hashem said to him, You already said that a day in your courtyard better than a thousand. One day, he says, etc. He says, he says, Hashem says, I say, He says, it's more precious to me one day that you, David Amal, sit and learn Torah than, than a thousand sacrifices. More than a thousand sacrifices that your son Shlomo is going to put give to me on a mizbech, and one day Shlomo Melch later gave a thousand sacrifices. So I'm not going to, I can't let you die one day early. It's every day that you live is precious to me, Hashem said. So what did David Melch do? He knew he's going to die in Shabbos. the Shabbata every day that it was Shabbos. He would sit and learn all day long. Well, that, that so the learning would protect him. The Torah would protect him from dying. The day that he was supposed to die. Uh, so the, the angel of death got up before him to, to, to take his, his neshama. But, but the, the angel of death couldn't take it. He wasn't able to overcome it. Because David Melech's mouth never stopped, never stopped uh, learning. 
Amar, so the Malchab, the angel of death said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do to him to be able to take his soul? How, I, have to, I, have to, I have to stop him from learning. So there was an orchard behind David Melach's house. The angel of death came. He went up and he shook the trees. So David Melach went out to see what was happening and he continued learning. When he was going up the stair, on the stair, the, the, the stair crumbled under him. It caved in. Ishtik, and if some, if, if, apparently for an instant, David Melech was, was silent from his learning. And the angel of death was able to take him, and his soul, his soul went away. His soul came, came to rest. He, was, he, he died. At that point, David Melech died, and he was outside on the stair. Shlomo Melech uh, sent a, a message to the base manager asking two questions. My father died and he's, he's lying in the sun. Can I move him? Am I allowed to move him because of Muksa? Am I allowed to move the dead king, my father, to the shade? And the dogs of my father are hungry. What am I going to do? Am I allowed to move uh, the, the, uh, a nevela, uh, an animal that wasn't shechted? Uh, am I able to, wasn't, or wasn't shechted properly? Am I able to take it and feed it to the hungry dogs? Also, problem looks a problem. So the rabbis sent back to him, and from the base matter, one, as far as the feeding the dogs, cut up the nevela, cut up this unshechted uh, animal, uh, cut it up and place it, cut up and place it before the, before the, um, before in front of the dogs. As far as your father, you can't move him per se because he's moksa. What you can do is you could place upon him a loaf of bread or a baby, which which are not moksa v'tatalo, and by way of them as a workaround, you can move him. So you see an incredible thing that you could move you could move the nevela to feed the dogs, and yet you couldn't you weren't able to move the the king for himself only only by by with the help of putting something upon him like the like the loaf of bread or the baby. So again, didn't Shlomo say to finally explain? The difference, that what that that better for a living dog than for a, a dead lion. You see that the dog, when you're able to do more with the dog directly, uh, with you were directly able to move the meat of the nevela, uh, what you and what you couldn't do for the king to move the king directly. And now, finally, to, to go back to your original question, are you allowed to put out, extinguish a lamp, extinguish the fire for the sake of a of a sick person whose life is in danger? But he he came back to it and he said it in a in a Rabbi Tanchum said it in a way that was very modest. Usually, the person who asks the question is smaller, and the person who answers is greater. So even though he was the one who was answering the question, he took it as he made it as if he was the one who was the smaller one who asked the question. He said, now as far as the question that I asked before you really. The they asked it in front of him, so he answered the following: Ner kriya ner, a candle is called a candle, or a lamp is called a lamp. Vinishmaso shalatam kriya ner, and the and the and the soul of a person is called a lamp. It's called what? It's called it's because it's ner Hashem nishmaso adam. The lamp of God is is the soul of man. So Hashem's lamp is a man's soul, and a man's lamp is a lamp. Mutav, he said, it's better better that the lamp of a flesh and blood, better that the human lamp should be extinguished for the sake of the lamp of God, of God, the i.e., the human soul. So better to extinguish a, a, a lamp, a, a physical lamp, for the sake of the spiritual lamp, the soul, which is the lamp of Hashem.
We were talking about contradictions in Kohelis. The rabbis wanted to hide away the book of Kohelis. Because its words contradict one another. Why didn't they hide it away? Because its beginning is words of Torah, and its end is words of Torah. And therefore, we, we, we know that what comes in the middle is also words of Torah. It's beginning as words of Torah, as it's written, What profit is there for a man with all of his toil, he toils under the sun? It's only under the sun that a person doesn't have profit, doesn't have profit from the from the toil that he toils. But before the sun, namely when it comes to Torah, the person doesn't have profit. Toiling in Torah, he has great profit. So we see Torah at the beginning of Kohalas. So for the Torah, where do we see the end? This Torah, the Chiv, as it's written, Sov Davar, in the end, in, in the in the end of the matter, Hakol Nishma, all having been heard, everything having been thought about, as Elokim Yirah, fear God, Bes Mitzvahs of Shmor, and guard His Mitzvahs, keep His Mitzvahs, Kizekol Adam. This is all of man, and it sounds like he's saying this person who does this is all of mankind. Maizik, Maizik, Kizekol Adam. What do you mean he's all of mankind? So the whole world in its entirety was created only for this person. Rabbi Abba Barakahanomar, he says, he says, this person who fears God and does the mitzvah, keeps the mitzvah, that person is equated to all the, to the entire world. Another opinion, the whole world was only created to keep this person company, to back him up. My Dvar of Sarsim Zazah, what do you mean when we said that the words of Kohalas contradict one another? We're going to take two examples. Ksiv, on the one hand, it's written, Tov Kas Mishok, it says that anger is better than laughter. Uksiv, and it's written, Lashok Amartim Ahol, I said, I said, laughter is praiseworthy. So first he said, anger is better than laughter, and then he said, laughter is praiseworthy, make up your mind. Ksiv, further, another contradiction, it says, Vishibachti and Yisra Simcha, it says, I praise rejoicing. Uksiv, and it says, Lashimcha Mazaos, it says, rejoicing, what, what does it do? What good is it? So two contradictions. Lokasha, it's not difficult to justify. We'll explain, we'll reconcile these contradictions. So let's look at the first one. Tov kas mishok, when we said that anger is better than laughter, we meant to say, he means to say, Tov kas haza, the anger that a Baruch has and, on tzaddikim in this world, and he gives them troubles in this world in order to give them reward in the world to come, that is better mishok, is better than the laughter that Kodesh Baruch places upon Rishayim in this world, that he gives them, that he, that he gives them their, that he gives them reward in this world in order to punish them in the next world. So the, la- the, the anger of Hashem on righteous people in this world in order to reward them in the next world is better than the laughter of the Kodesh Baruch of the, uh, uh, on the Rishayim in this world, that he gives them good things in order to punish them in the world to come. Right, so that's why anger is better than laughter. When did we say that laughter is praiseworthy? That's the laughter that Kodesh Baruch Hu laughs with the righteous people in the world to come. So that's one contradiction resolved. Let's look at a second one. When, when, when the, the Kohalas says what? I praise, rejoicing, that's, rejo- that's Simcha Shal Mitzvah, rejoicing in Mitzvah, like a wedding, like, like, a, like, a, like, a, like rejoicing in the Chassan and Kala. The Simcha Maza 
And when it said, what, what good is rejoicing? Zu simcha shen asu mitzvah. That's rejoicing when it's not for a mitzvah. So rejoicing for a mitzvah is praiseworthy. And it teaches us, that the divine presence doesn't dwell on a person not from sadness, and not from laziness, not from, not from a frivolity, not from lightheadedness, not from talking, and not from not from empty or meaningless words. But the Shina rests upon a person of divine presence from the happiness of a mitzvah. Shinemar, as it says, we see by the Navi Elisha, he said, now bring me a, a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of God was upon him. So you see that the simcha of mitzvah, that, that he got prophecy from it. The same thing when it comes to a, a, a point of halacha, that you have to say something happy, something something joke to make people happy before you say a word of halacha. And Rava said, the same thing, to get a good dream, you should go to sleep from uh, from happiness. Now the Gemara has a little problem with Rabbi Huda said we should open up with a joke. Ini, is it really true? When you're learning, aren't we supposed to be in a state of trembling and fear? Didn't we learn? Any time a Chacham sits before his Rabbi, and their lips are not dripping with bitterness, the person is going to be burnt in the fire of Gehenna? Shenemar, as it says, more It sounds like it says that the lips are roses that are that are flowing with myrrh. But we we darshan it and like this, I'll take we more over. Don't say don't say flowing myrrh. Mar over flowing bitterness. Don't say roses. Don't learn roses. Don't read roses. People who learn, people who learn have to be dripping bitterness from their lips. So how can you tell me you open up with a joke? Lokasha. We say it's not difficult, we can reconcile it. Habarabah, when we say you open up with a joke, that's talking about the, the rabbi who's, who's doing the teaching. He opens up with a joke. And when we said the, the lips flowing with bitterness, that's the student. He has to sit with, with bitterness and fear in front of the rabbi. Alternatively, I could give this answer. Habarabah, both cases, telling the joke and bitterness and sitting with, with fear and bitterness are talking about the rabbi. But Lokasha, there's no contradiction. This is before he opens up, he tells a joke, and he says something to make everybody happy. Well, all beside the Pasach, and that's after he opened up that way, when he's actually starting to teach, and he has to sit in fear. Keha the Rabbah, just like Rabbah used to do, Mikami the Pasach before he began teaching the, the rabbis the lesson, he would say something funny. And he would make and he make the rabbis happy, he would make their hearts open up in Torah. But afterwards, he sat in fear, and he began the lesson. The Afsay for Mishle Bikshilignos. Also, the rabbis wanted to hide away the book of Mishle, just like they originally wanted to hide away the book of Proverbs. Shahayu Dvarov Sosunzeza, because its words were contradicting one another. But they Maloganzu, so why didn't they hide away the book of Mishle? Amri, they said, say for Kohelis, look, when it came to the book of Kohelis, when we found contradictions, didn't we look into it and find an explanation? Let's also look into the book of Mishle and we'll find an explanation for the apparent contradictions. Umai 
are the contradictions in the book of Mishlei? Ksiv, it's written, Don't answer a fool like his foolishness. Ksiv, and it's written, Answer a fool like his foolishness. So should you answer him or should you not? It's not difficult. We can resolve the contradiction. When it says that we answer a fool like his foolishness, and his fool, that's when words of Torah. And this is talking about things that are not the Torah. Then you don't answer a fool in his foolishness. Let's look at examples of not answering a fool in his foolishness. A certain person came in front of of uh, of Rabbi, and he said to him, "Ishtai He said, "Your wife is my wife, and your sons are my sons." He said, "You know, I had a list of relationships with your wife, and your children are illegitimate." So Rabbi said to him, "He says, you want a cup of wine? Want to drink a cup of wine?" <laughs> he didn't answer him. Shasa, the person drank it a poka, and he burst. He was punished. A similar case. Somebody came in front of Rabbi Chia. He said to him, He says, "Your mother is my wife. I had a list of relations with your mother." And you're my son. You're, you're, you're illegitimate. Amalei said to he said to him, also wouldn't answer him. He said, Would you like to drink a cup of wine? He drank it and he burst. We see that the prayer of Rabbi helped him because he had always he had always prayed that his children shouldn't be thought of as illegitimate. The Rabbi Kihavi Matzali, because Rabbi, when he would pray, with Omar, he would say, He May it be their will, be your will, Lord, Lord God, Lord our God. Shetatzileni hayom as ipanim. Save me today from arrogance. Umi asus panim, and from the and from the accusation of arrogance. That's that's that means the accusation of uh, illegitimacy. Now, let's look the other way. So we saw examples of not answering a fool in his foolishness or like his foolishness when, when it's not Torah. Torah. Let's see examples where you do answer him when it's about Torah. Mahi, what's any, what is that case? was explaining to words of Torah. In the future, a woman is going to give birth every day, one baby after another. She conceives and gives birth at the same moment. She's conceiving a baby while at the same time she's giving birth to her baby. So the this this certain student mocked him. Amr, he said, He says, there's nothing new under the sun. How could things like that ever happen? The Pasuk Commission says, nothing new under the sun. Um, how could such things happen? Amalei said, Come, I'll show you. In this world, not later. I'll show you right now that such a thing exists. He showed him. He showed him a hen that gives that has egg after egg every day, and it's getting while it's laying birth to eggs, it's conceiving eggs. It's giving birth and conceiving all at the same time. But two Yasser Rangamliya will Kadarish. Another case, Rangamliya was sitting and teaching Torah. I see the Milana Shemotzi and Paris Bechoyom. He said, in the future, trees are going to give fruit every single day. Shenemers, it says, Venasa Anaf Vasapri. It's going to bring forth a, a branch and, and make fruit. Ma'anaf Bechoyom. Just like on a tree, somewhere in the tree, every day it's, it's, making, it's starting a branch. Afri Bechoyom. Also, it's going to have fruit every day. That student laughed at him. Omar, he said, he, he, he said, He said, I, then the, the, the verse says that it's written, there's nothing new under the sun. Omar, lay. She said to him, Boba Reka, he says, he says, Come, I'll show you an example of such a thing, a fruit after fruit in this world already, already exists. We showed him the, the caper bush that we learned about, that it has three different types of edibles that come out one after the other, one, 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 one after following the other quickly. We already see such a thing, that fruit after fruit, day after day. But to Yossi Rabbi Gamliel, another time Rabbi Gamliel was sitting, another was sitting and teaching Torah. 
And he said, He says, The land of Israel is going to bring forth breads, <laughs> fine rolls, and, and, fine, and fine wool garments. And as it says, There's going to be pisas bar arts, which sounds like what? It sounds like what? Pieces of, pieces, like pisas yad, like the, like, the, like the person's hand. There's going to be, there's going to be bread, like the like like the width of a man's hand, okay, and also and also fine fine woolen clothing are called ksonas pasim, also pisas bar. So he said there's going to be the land's going to bring forth breads and fine wool clothing. So the student laughed at him. He mocked him. He said, He says there's no nothing new under the sun. Come, I'll show you an example of this already in this world. It already exists. He showed him truffles and mushrooms. Why? Because those things grow over. They're flat like they're flat like a bread, and they grow overnight in, in two seconds. When it came to showing him how wool garments could come out uh, like that from the, from, uh, from the earth, he showed him Navarbakar. He showed him the he showed him the fibrous matter that grows at the beginning of the heart of palm. It's also like like a uh, garment.